A married couple went in for marriage counseling at going through a difficult period. The counselor, like a counselor normally does, will start with the wife of the marriage. And he asked her several questions to kind of get what's going wrong, what do we need to work on in the marriage. So he spent probably 15, 20 minutes speaking with her. And then finally, the counselor turned to the husband and said, uh, do you normally wake up cranky in the morning? And he thought for just a moment, he said, no, usually I just let her sleep in. There are times in our marriages, we go through some difficult times, difficult seasons. And what we're wanting to do in this series, we're going to be talking about marriage today, children next week, and then the community or the village of which you raise your children. And look at those three components, because what we're wanting is a healthy family. The strength of the family will determine the strength of our church will determine the strength of our culture. So that's why we're going to be looking at these things. I'd like to take the analogy of a house, building a house. You see the blueprint there. We can use that as the picture in our mind of what we're doing. And the first thing we want to start with is the foundation. As you always do in building a house, you have to start with the foundation. I want to suggest to you that the only secure way to establish your relationship in marriage is on a very firm foundation. And we know that Jesus is the rock. He's the solid rock. Building on bedrock. Vicki and I, fortunately, when we built our house, the guy came and was going to put in a basement, so he did a bulldozer and, you know, to dig out the dirt. Fortunately, he actually dug down to bedrock, and we were able to build our house upon bedrock, which is kind of the best that you can get. It's not going to settle. It's not going not to give. It's a very strong foundation. The reason I'm saying this, because in Hebrews, the writer said that there is coming a shaking. Here's what he says in Hebrews 12, 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate, indicate that removing of what can be shaken, and that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. If you've been married more than a week or two, you're going to know that marriage has some very, very significantly shaking type seasons. Some very difficult times will come in many, many regards, to health issues, relationship conflicts, children issues. You're going to go through some stuff that in the midst of it, you don't know if you're going to survive it. That's why this solid or bedrock foundation is so important. Because he says, and we know that he's talking about a, a, even a future shaking that's coming, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But what we know is that being firm upon the foundation of Jesus Christ is a place that we can stand when those days come and uh, get us in a very difficult place. The second, the part of when you lay on, if you happen to be able to build on bedrock, which is awesome, then they come in, they are going to put in the footings or they're going to build the, the concrete, pour the concrete for a basement or whatever. Within that concrete, they'll put 
bars, metal bars, rebar, I think they would call it. And that basically holds everything together. And the second thing within the foundation is building a strong connection. I'm going to talk about something here. It's a little challenging and difficult, maybe even painful, but the Lord has a uh, redemption in all of it. But it's a very important decision, especially for you that are getting ready to go into marriage into your future. And that is, Paul wrote it in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? I think that direction is true, not only marriage, but in business partnerships, in uh, groups that you build your life around. It's kind of important to be at a place of unity so that I've just known many families that married couples that over the during got married at a season fell in love but were unequally yoked. One was a follower of Christ, one was not. And I'll be honest with you, in the midst of that, I've seen the other partner over a period of time come and give their heart to the Lord and, and made that unity. But I've also seen couples where one partner that was pursuing the Lord felt very much spiritually single. You know, just that area of life was, uh, they felt isolated from their partner. So Paul was saying, if you have the choice or the opportunity, make sure when you're building a covenantal relationship, a strong relationship, make sure you're with a unified believing people so that you have the same the same light, the same truth, the same foundation to build upon. But you, then you would say, but Mark, what, what if I've already married or had a commitment and I'm not, and we're not equally yoked? Well, there is also biblical instruction. Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians 7. It says this, if you're, a, if you're a brother and you have a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to live with you, you must not divorce her. And if a woman has married a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. So what does that mean? Because that sounds a little confusing there at the end about what does that mean being sanctified. It does not mean that the unbelieving partner is saved because they're in a relationship together. It means that the unbeliever is put into a family or into an environment where the Spirit of the Lord is there in the partner and that they are somehow in the midst of that drawn to the Lord and, and protected from uh, some of the issues of the world because that believer is in the house. And so that it is a positive, it's a benefit for the unbeliever to live in that situation. Okay, we got, we've got the foundation. Let's do the superstructure, if you will. If you're doing a stick house, a uh, um, two-by-four, two-by-six kind of a house, that's what I'm talking about now. We're going to start framing up the outside walls, the interior walls, and I'm calling it the superstructure or the frame that holds it up. I want to tell you or, or speak to you that I believe this framework is called trust. Trust is the two-by-fours which hold the house up. And it's so very, very important. It holds all the weight. Please hear me. I'm going to be talking about this issue of trust right here. 
There are many, many pitfalls to trust or to the breaking of trust. And they're everywhere all around us. That's why this has to be so protected uh, in everything that you do. Now with internet, we have communications where we have uh, spouses being in communication with other people. And that over a period of time, that relationship gets too close. When that occurs, we may not have full-blown adultery, but we have, uh, we have an adulterous heart. We have a, an adulterous, uh, unfaithful, if I would say, relationship developing. And you got to guard that. You've got to protect from that. Opposite sex friends that you spend time with, uh, work with possibly, and you spend more and more time, you've got to guard carefully that relationship so that it does not develop into something ungodly which would produce a, a broken trust in your marriage covenant. If you, another thing that breaks uh, your trust is some, if we lie or if we hide the truth or we're deceptive, even in small things. When we see some part of our life that is of, of our partner that is deceptive to us, it plants a seed that says, if they'll lie to me about that, I wonder if they'll lie to me about that. So you understand, it, it puts acid, if you will, and begins to destroy the trust of the relationship. It's very important that you protect from that. We could go all the way to the adultery side where there is a broken covenant of marriage. One broke the covenant and went outside of the marriage into relationship. Another one would be a form of abuse. Whether if you're verbally abusive, if you're physically abusive, if you're emotionally abusive, that wears or hits or destroys the concept of trust in a relationship. Listen to me. We have a foundation and it has to be Christ. And we build on top of that the superstructure at every stick that you put up is trust. That it will be stable and strong and hold the weight that's coming upon it. I have to deal with it. What do we do after trust is broken? What do you do then? The marriage covenant says, for better, for worse, richer, poorer, sickness, health, love and cherish until death separates us. So it's a pretty big covenant, yes? That means I'm going to be everything that I can be to produce trust here. And if we break it, what do we do? Once the covenant is broken because of unfaithfulness, the only hope in that relationship is the same hope that we have when we are lost, separated from Christ. We have to go back. We have to confess our sin completely. We have to forgive. We have to repent of our sin, saying, this is where I've been. This is what I did. And, I, and I'm turning from that. I'm turning away from that. And there is a repentance and there is true forgiveness given. And at that point, you're just back to foundation or step one of building a relationship. But you have to go through those steps first. And then you begin to build a relationship again. Go back and do the things you did at the beginning. Scripture says when you've lost your first love, Jesus said, go back and do the things you did at the beginning. Rebuild the relationship. It's not, hard, it's not easy. A lot of marriages don't make it, but I've seen a whole lot of marriages that do make it. And in the second covenant, and I say that because I think the first one's broken. 
at unfaithfulness. I think it's just severed. Usually ask, let's go through this process of restoration. Now, you guys start dating, spend some time, and get back to health and strength. And then at somewhere along the journey, I like to almost say, let's come and do a new covenant. Let's redo a covenant. And we speak the words of covenant again and rebuild. It's possible. And thankfully, by the redemption of the Lord Jesus, it's possible. But I'm just telling you, try to protect from it. Because the temptations to break it are everywhere around us. But once it's broken, it's really hard to get it back. So work hard on it. Build fences, if you will, around you to protect yourself. To quote a president, build a wall. So that the enemy, you just, you know, if you see a weak area, if you see a temptation area for you, go build a wall there. Build something that you can't get past it or it can't get into you do whatever it takes go hard at trying to get that thing built for safety it's so important that you do it that's the superstructure of trust five things to do real quick to build a wall if you're making notes here's the first one give a hundred percent of yourself to your spouse you said that sounds impossible when Vicki and I had our marriage counseling the pastor said, Vicki, you're going to have to bend 50%, and Mark, you're going to have to bend 50% and meet in the middle somewhere. I found that that's really not biblical. It's not what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, it's very specific what it says in 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. Listen, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. You see what submit is? is to lay your life down. That's 100%. Wives, submit, lay your life down to your husband. And you know what that's called? Honor. You need to remember that word. I'm going to come back to it. That if, if any of them do not believe, they may be won over without words by your behavior. When they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. Ladies, that's for you. Gentlemen, Paul wrote in Ephesians uh, uh, 4.15. No, excuse me, 5.25. Husbands, love your wives... Just as Christ loved the church, and watch, you know, I ask her to submit. Gentlemen, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's 100% submission to each other. It's not 50-50. We can't hang on. It, we become one flesh. And so that we got to go back and recommit 100% to each other. Second, honor and respect your wife, your husband. Honor and respect. We'll get back to that in a moment. Number three, be a positive example. That's what I'm talking about. Submit yourself. Lay your life down. That's a positive example. Fourth, communicate in love. I'll talk about the importance of communication in a moment. Ephesians 4.15 talks about speaking the truth in love. And fifth, pray for and pray with your spouse. Now, let's talk about wrapping that, those two befores. We're going to put up the outside walls. We're going to put up the inside walls. And we're talking about the thing that encloses your house. And that is of a marriage relationship. I'm going to tell you now the secret that I need you. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Men, I'm going to tell you the secret of your wife. And ladies, I'm going to tell you the secret of your husband. 
two things that you'll need to know. Gentlemen, your wife's number one need out of all the needs that life brings us is security. She needs to know that your love and your commitment to her is solid. She needs to know that you're going to get up off that couch and go to work and make provision. She, she needs to be safe. She needs to know in your relationship with her that she's safe with you. If you're verbal, if you're physical, if you're emotionally abusive, you're not safe. And you won't know the intimacy that the Lord had for the marriage, what it's supposed to be. She needs to be safe in you. And if you're out in the world, she needs to know you're going to protect her from the harm that's out there every way you can. She needs to know she's safe. That's her number one need. So you figure it out. When she starts acting hurt, weird a little bit, one way or another towards you, first thing you need to ask yourself, how am I making her feel unsafe? Because she needs to know she's safe in covenant with you. Ladies, I want to tell you the number one need of your husband. We've already said it a little bit. It's honor. He needs to know that in your eyes, and let me tell you, your eyes say a lot. Right? Guys, doesn't your wife's eyes tell you a whole lot? Sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes it is okay. Sometimes it's the mom eyes. But through through your eyes... He needs to know that you look up to him greater than any other person on the earth. He really needs to know that you believe in him even when the rest of the world thinks you're not much or whatever's happening at that time. If he knows that you honor him in everything, in what you say to him, how you look at him, what you say about him, and how you actually speak to him determines much of how he feels honored or dishonored. You know you've heard of workaholics. Or you've heard of people. Men who would spend. Too much time in sports. Or something outside of the home. Let me tell you. Men will go to where they are honored. Do you hear that? Men will go to where they are honored. And ladies. What I want you to know. Is that it, I, it's your job. To make your home and your relationship to where he feels strong and that you are significant to somebody on this planet and they need to know that from you. The second thing, gentlemen, that the second major need of your wife is intimate communication. And a lot of us are not very good at it when it comes to the guy side of things. Matter of fact, they've put wired up baby's lips, a uh, little little meters or monitors, and a a little boy's mouth will move much less than a little girl's mouth, even from a baby. On average, they say that men talk, speak about 2,500 words a day. It's quite a bit. And a lot of that's spent in the work world. So, And they say ladies spend about 25,000 words a day. On average, okay? Amen? (laughs) What I'm saying is, gentlemen, it doesn't mean you always have to talk, but you do have to listen. 
Learn to listen carefully to what's being said. Not, uh, and let me say, if your wife's talking and you're doing this, you're, it doesn't count. <laughs> if she's talking and you're doing this, doesn't count. Everything has to be down and you need to give her attention and listen to what's being said and communicate. She wants to know what's, your head, what's in your head. What are you feeling? What's your plans? What are you going to do? Who'd you hang out with today? What did, what did you talk about? I used to think that's just nosy. <laughs> Until you realize that intimacy comes through communication. Okay? Ladies, the number two need of the men is sexual intimacy. Number two need of men after honor is sexual intimacy. Where you get a lot of your intimacy through communication, it's through the physical act of sex in the, man, in the relationship that gives that man that sense of closeness and one, one flesh. And there's so much that fights against this in our day. So much that does. But I'm telling you, ladies, this, that you and that relationship is the only legal, godly way for that massive sex drive in a man to be de- channeled is in that relationship with you. You're the only one that can provide that deep need that he has. So remember those two things of the wife, two things of the husband, and if you'll focus on that, you'll see that your relationship, if you don't break those, will will build and build and build and get stronger and stronger. All right, the last one, we're going to put the roof on the house, and i got to go quick. Just three things quickly. Remove criticism. Remove criticism from your mouth to your spouse. It does no good. It doesn't motivate. It doesn't help. It just basically is a form of what I think is Satan's number one tool is rejection. When you criticize, you're basically saying, you're not good enough for me in this area. Remove it. You're not fixing anything, so don't be criticizing one another. Number two, provide the opposite, which is approval. Tell them, speak of what they do and how they bless you and what, how important they are to you. And third, speak life. Speak life into your marriage. Scripture is very clear that the power that lies between your teeth in your tongue has the power to produce life or to produce death. To bring blessing or to bring curse. The power of the mouth is huge. Matter of fact, it says that we have, it's the power to speak which creates. Be careful with your mouth. Make sure that you are speaking life. So today, we've looked at just some concepts for building, building marriage. I hope that you could hear it. I hope that some of that would be helpful to you, encouraging to you. If you're in a broken place, uh, we've, got a, we've got this... Uh, We've got several couples classes. Would love for you to get involved in just being in a fellowship of other believers. Couples is helpful. If you have kids, teenagers, we have a class for uh, parents of teens and tweens. It's just important to get together around other families. And in the process, that may be helpful. Let me just say, if you're really broken in relationship, don't be embarrassed about that. We've all been through it. But I will say to you, call me. And let's set up a time because God has a solution for every problem. I, tr- I believe me, I've seen some I wouldn't have given you a, 
a dirty penny to see them be restored. I've seen it broken to the ultimate levels, but through watching God do some amazing things and restore families back. So if you're in that hurt place, call me and we'll get together and we'll start spending some time. As we close today, I want to give you an opportunity that we might pray. Because I believe prayer is the most important thing that we do. We take the issue to the one who can fix it. And that's God. He wants the best for you. If you want prayer for your marriage, I'm going to have these couples that I embarrassed up here. Would you guys come on up? I'd like for you guys to be here and be here to pray for anybody that comes today in need of prayer. If you're here uh, by yourself and have an unbelieving partner and you want us to pray for you, for strength, hold up your arm a bit, if you will, just to be strong during this time, because it is difficult, we know that. And if you're here and you're an unbelieving partner and you say, you know, I'm, I don't want to be that one. And on this day, you want to give your life to the Lord? Come on up. We'll show you how to just lay it down and receive Him into your life. Let's stand. and Let's let God have His way. If you'll let Him, there could be some big healing here today.